Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you a tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can get it in queue with your questions, comments, or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Thanks for having me on your show and give a call. We can talk about plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, the annuals, pansies, cool season annuals, and cool season vegetables. If it stays this warm and gets warmer, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, you know, problematic for those cool season things. And uh, how about your bulbs, your daffodils, tulips, and things like that? Once the foliage is about half brown, you can go ahead and cut it off. I've cut off a lot of mine already, but I still have one clump that uh, I have not cut the foliage off of some daffodils. Uh, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, and vines. The clematis this year is so early, and they're looking so striking. The colors are just fantastic. Roses, like I said, the knockout roses are unbelievable. Shrubs, trees, vines, and as I said, water gardens as well. I'll share my thoughts and always remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. And uh, remember, it's just an option for you to consider. Mass producing today, and during the week I do landscape consulting, which I come to your yard and take a look at specific things that you have questions about, whether it's aesthetic or problem solving. Also keep my eyes open for things that I think might be impacting your landscape as well. I call that a walk and talk, so you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage will have my email address and phone number. And I'll share my 40-plus years experience, professional experience, with you and related to your home. Now, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. That's today's tip of the trial. And the tip of the trial goes out today to uh, Brightside St. Louis. They are extremely appreciative of all the support you've given them through all the years. But right now, this this is the day, hashtag give STL day. So Brightside St. Louis, along with lots of other organizations, are all part of this hashtag give STL day where they're accepting donations. And through your support and volunteer power, Brightside St. Louis has really been dedicated to cleaning and greening St. Louis for 35 years. So let's let them keep up the good work. Donate today. The best time to enhance your donation is during the 20 and 20 time slots. During this time, all donations up to $500 will receive a portion of a $20,000 bonus. So help Brightside get a piece of the pie. So that's at 6.20 to 6.40 p.m. and 11.20 to 11.40 p.m. as well. So a gift of $100 provides 500 trash bags for neighborhood cleanups. And a gift of 25 perennials for planting in a neighborhood garden. So Brightside St. Louis. Oh, man. And remember, hashtag Give STL Day is a 24-hour online 
giving event as well. So St. Louis Community Foundation to grow philanthropy in St. Louis metropolitan area. And many other organizations are benefiting during the hashtag GiveSTL Day. So Brightside St. Louis would appreciate your donation. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Matt will answer your call, and he will ask your name and where you're calling from. Uh, One thing, too, as this weather's getting warmer, way ahead, like almost 10 degrees warmer than normal, uh, raise the elevate, you know, raise the height of your mower blade. Cutting your grass too close when the sun gets intense and it gets intensely hot, this just offers an opportunity for a weed invasion because it exposes the crown of your lawn plants. The lawn is not just one big plant. It's like zillions of them. But you should not be cutting it too close. I don't know why people cut their grass whether it's bluegrass, whether it's fescue, whether it's zoysia or anything else, so close. It just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. You think, well, if I cut it close, I won't have to cut that often. Most of the time that is not the case because you get in this cycle and you cut it too short. So this time of year, your mower height should be at least at uh, three plus inches, regardless of the type of grass that you have. So like three to three and a half inches or so. Also, my zoysia, I did my first fertilizing this past Wednesday. So I'm going to be fertilizing once a month all the way up until, depending upon the weather, uh, late uh, August or early September. So fertilizing the warm season grasses, your zoysia, and if you happen to have Bermuda that you want to grow, but fertilizing your cool season grasses, no, don't do that during the hot weather because it can cause some real problems. It can force some growth. And the cool season lawns do not like the hot weather anyway. So let's go over to Carlisle and into Barbara's yard. Barbara, how are you today? I'm fine, Mike. I have a question. I have an old, uh, it's probably about a 20, 25-year-old sweet gum tree in my front yard. Well, it's all shade, and the roots are starting to come through. You can't hardly mow around it. Right. I have seen people put hosta plants around their trees could i still do that with that and put that put the mulch and, and soil over the top of those roots that are there oh sure i mean you could okay. do that you could do the hostas you could do i mean traditional type ground covers as well if you wanted something you know during the winter time that's going to cover it like an evergreen ivy you know that type of uh, ground cover or periwinkle because they're going to be evergreen, so they're going to have presence year-round. And then the hostas would just add, let's say, pizzazz from, de- you know, weather. Again, weather-dependent, I say that so often, but that it really plays a role. Sometime between, let's say, April all the way up until the frost gets them in, you know, October. Okay. Now, you said uh, evergreen. What was I missed the second word? Evergreen what? So either like English or Baltic ivy, or ivy, there's, okay. a, there's a plant called periwinkle, it's an evergreen ground cover, which in the early spring, it has a blue flower on it. And the, okay. the periwinkle, the botanical name is Vinca, V-I-N-C-A, Vinca Minor. Okay, I've had those before in pots and plants. Yeah, that's a different, this is a different plant. This is a ground it's cover. A different, ground cover, for, for ground covers. Right. Okay, 
Well, I didn't know if I could still do that, so I would just buy some type of soil and put it down and then plant them. Yes. Cover it with mulch would be fine. Yes, just mix it in with the existing soil. Don't just lay it on top of your existing soil. It's got to be a blend. And, you know, by planting this time of year, ideally it would have been better to do it a little bit earlier so the things could get established because summertime is our most, let's say, treacherous season for newly installed plant material. But if you plant now with the way this weather is and they're predicting with this really warm spell, you're just going to have to watch it very closely. You may have to water everything one or two times a day while the temperatures are so high before the root systems can get established and start you know, absorbing enough moisture. Okay, I was afraid I just got all my pots planted yesterday, and I'm, I'm running late, but the weather has been so terrible. Right. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, and now let's go to Seal, and Seal lives in St. Louis. Hi, Seal. Hi. I'm calling. Hello? Hey. Yeah, I'm calling about our peach tree. It's a young tree, around four years old, and my husband said that the uh, the leaf. he says the tree's dying, and he said the leaves have got, I think that's called gall, where they get kind of bumpy, and I think some insect might have laid something on in the leaves well uh, you know i i'm not familiar with the galls getting on the leaves of peach trees they get on maple trees and things like that well but maybe it's not a gall but they're bumpy and um um well, he, he says the leaves are dying but are they actually <clears throat> falling off or are they just wilted or what's the problem they, they're kind of uh they're they're shiny and they look okay but <clears throat> excuse me they're um Wilty are they're bumpy are uh, they're they're um, it's hard to explain. Okay, but I you know if the leaves if the color's good and they're regular size, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. I just leave it alone. Yeah, well, I just pick them leaves off that are on there because they're unsightly. But well, uh, sometimes like when the buds are pushing out the leaves and we have hail or we have some, it could be just physical damage due to the weather as opposed to actually something that's causing it disease-wise, insect-wise, or anything else. So if they look like, you know, if the leaf looks good and these lumps or bumps are just like, you know, it's kind of like you hitting your hand or your head, you get a bump on your head, consequently from something hitting it. So that's what the, you know, could be happening to these. Now also with these peach trees that young, I don't know if this is semi-dwarf, dwarf, or full size, don't let any peaches form for another couple years because oh, it's going to... Oh, we've had peaches for a couple years already. A four-year-old and tree. Really, had really, pe- oh, really beautiful. It's a, it's a, a, a small one. It's not a, a full-size. Right. It's a so, dwarf. But, I mean, f- fruit production on a young tree that's not totally established like this one is, even if it's been in the ground for four years can really kind of stress it out. So just you know, watch out about letting the peaches form. You, if you want to, that's your peach tree. That's very fine. But it's not something that's you know, f- to the benefit of the tree overall. I got you. Okay. Thank you very much, yeah. Mike. So it's, again, physical that's caused a problem for your leaf. Uh, let's go now to Diane, and Diane lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Diane. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a problem. I have a Japanese maple. We've lived in the house two years, but the house is about 30 years old, and the maple is about seven feet tall, beautiful, the umbrella type with the, you know, leaves that come down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, this spring, there were some dead patches in it, 
And I've been watching it thinking, okay, it's going to come back. Well, now I'm seeing some dead leaves in spots. Is the tree gone? Is there anything we can do to save it? It's in such a prominent spot uh, in the landscaping. Yeah, individual branches. You know, the unfortunate thing about the, these Japanese maples, I mean, they're a grafted hybrid and, you know, there are some that go on and on and on for years. I was at a house, I think it was last summer, and they had one of these Japanese maples in front of their house. Hadn't really gotten much taller than when they put it in. It was about six feet tall, but it was almost 15 feet wide. It was spectacular. But there are other ones. There's a gentleman that lives right up the street from me on Federer, and he knows about plants. He knows how to grow plants. He even grows bananas and all this other stuff. But he's had a Japanese maple fairly close to his house, so it's somewhat protected. It's on the north side. But sometimes they can get damaged you know, due to the weather and everything else because they are hybrids. So any individual branches that you know, virtually have no leaves on them at all or you know, go ahead and just cut those off, and there's not really too much you can do. That's not to say the whole tree is going to go downhill, but this is just one of those you know, possibilities when you're growing a plant that's this kind of touchy. Okay, and if, if we lose the plant and have to replace it, is there something else that you would recommend putting in a spot like that? It's kind of like in an L place protected on the north side of our house. Right. Uh, if you like this plant, I don't see anything wrong with you know coming back with the same kind of plant. If because of the size and everything else, there's not too many things that are going to be that particular size. Okay. So just you know realize that that's a circumstance. That's why everybody loves them. The color of the leaf, the you know the texture of the leaf, as well as the height and the spread or whatever. But it there's was not so beautiful. When yeah. We moved in. <laughs> right. Now we did put in an irrigation system in the beds. We'd had one in the lawn before. But I monitor it. I, it's not like I let it run every week on certain days. Right. I, I check the soil to make sure that it's dry or, you know, and turn it on then. Sure. So I don't think that we damaged it with the irrigation system. Well, who, was this irrigation system with pipes and everything? Um, or is yeah, this just one where did. the hose lays on top of the ground and just kind of lets it Oh, no, run? no, it's, it's with pipes. Okay. It's with pipes. So, it was professionally installed. Yeah, so maybe they actually you know, did some damage to the root system. I'm not saying that was the case, but uh, that could impact you know, your tree. Oh, maybe that's what happened. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do the right thing. Right. And <laughs> yeah, putting okay. irrigation systems in, around, uh, you know, in and around existing plant material I mean, it sounds like a good idea, but sometimes it can cause other problems. Maybe that's what happened because it's, it's, this is the first year we've noticed it and the irrigation system was put in last year. Ah. Okay. Well, the new, at least the new plant will, will not be bothered by the irrigation system. So. Exactly. <laughs> right. Thank you, Mike. Sure. And let's go to Carol and Eureka. Carol, how are you today? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. A sure. um, couple questions. First one, I have some limelight hydrangea bushes. They're mm-hmm. about three and a half feet tall right now, and I'd like to move them. Can I do that now? Or You're just taking a big chance to move them this late. Okay. Because okay. I'm assuming they're fully leafed out, and you know, with our screwy weather, this hot, dry, you know, in theory... You know, I don't know how much the humidity is going to be. Even doing the extra watering and stuff, you're going to dis, you know, disrupt the root system. It's going to be trying to get established going into summertime. Our summer may be just absolutely brutal. So if this is something that you really like, I would not do it. I'd wait until you know, mid to late or you know, later August through September and even early October. Okay. All right. And then for the last couple of years, um, this time of year, 
there's some kind of animal that's going through our mulch and kind of turning it up with the dirt. We live on four and a half acres, so there's a lot of wildlife. But do you have any idea what that is? It could be... uh... It's tough to tell. I mean, squirrels are digging around all over the place. They're planting acorns and stuff like that. There are other things that, you know, it's not going to be a vole because voles are too lazy to be doing any kind of digging. So it's got to be, you know, something along that. Maybe if you have skunks in the area, skunks are looking around for bugs like grubs and things along that line. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little tough to tell. Okay. Okay. And then one final question. We've got some new planter areas. Um, in our backyard that kind of then transition into the woods. And I want to put some uh, perennials in there. And obviously they need to be, I know nothing, not everything is deer resistant um, that I plant because they'll they'll eat anything. But do you have a recommendation on like two or three um, plants you think I'd be safe to plant? I would say take a look at the ferns, like Japanese painted fern, the woodland fern, things along that line, things that have a little bit more furriness to the leaf. Also, even... I, you may not like the use, but they'll go. They'll transition into the woodlands and give you some evergreen qualities during the winter time. So something along that line. Anything that has a fuzzy, fuzzy leaf, you might look at that. So a brunera, B R U N N E R A. There's several different varieties of brunera. You might try those as well. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. Sure. Mike Miller, K M O S Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, just in case there's any kind of confusion, uh, transplanting things from your yard to another location, that's why I keep, there's been a couple calls today about that. I keep saying it's very, very iffy, but... If you go to a garden center and you buy plants that have been either grown in pots or they're bald and burlap, that's fine. You can do it. Yes, you do have to water them because the weather is warmer and everything else. But when you dig up something, you tear up the root system of that plant that you're digging up from your yard to relocate or give away or whatever you're doing with it. But you're not going to tear up the root system in the same way when you buy something in a container. So going to your favorite garden center, getting a boxwood, getting a yew, getting some perennials, getting anything, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Or getting a tree, be it a big tree, be it a little tree, it doesn't matter. So you can do that. Just watch out about transplanting as we're headed into summertime. So that's, you know, I just want to make sure there's no confusion about planting, planting, and planting, transplanting. Those are two different things. Donald lives in Florissant. Donald, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Mike? Very good. I have designed the grass, and I've been cutting it about inch and three quarters. Is that too short? That's too short. Is it, I mean, you're probably you know, you're almost getting it down where you're scalping it. So I would say add at least an inch to that. Also, it's going to make your lawn feel softer too. People scalp their you know zoysias so it feels like you know kind of like astroturf. It feels really stiff. So uh-huh. give it you know give it a little space and let it grow a little bit. Another advantage to that is, as I keep talking about, root systems uptake nutrients and moisture. They send it up to the grass blade, just like a leaf on a tree or anything else, and it makes chlorophyll food, and that helps make everything healthier. So the less the blade size, the less ability there is to make food. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, you have all that dead grass there. 
I want to get it dead off. That's why I cut it low. Right. Initially, the first cut of the springtime, yes. I even okay. had mine down to like an inch or so. I, you know, I got it way down. And so then consequently, with each week or each cutting, I just raise it up a half inch, and now I've got it about uh, three and a half inches or so. Is that it? Yes. So what should I be cutting mine, about two and a half or... Yeah, two and a half, you know, and if you feel like it's, uh, you know, if it's not looking really that great, then raise it up because, again, the more grass blade there is, the greater the chance for making food chlorophyll and help the whole, you know, help the individual zoysia plants with helping how the lawn looks overall. Okay, well, thank you, but I have another question. Sure. I have an American holly. It's been losing leaves for about the last three weeks or a month. But there's new leaves coming on. Is that normal? Yeah, if the leaves are not at the end of the branches, in other words, they're interior leaves, so in other words, closer to the trunk, that should be happening. That's exactly what should happen when the well, new growth begins. They're not closer to the trunk. Okay. They're, they're in, at the individual end of the branches? Kind of, yes. Uh, that's not necessarily a good sign. But it could be resulting from all the crazy weather we've had. I mean, it could have, you know, partially gotten root system damage from all the rain and stuff like that. I got an American holly, and I put them in quite a few years ago. They were small. Mm-hmm. They're about 15 or 20 feet tall now. And half of it gets berries, and the other half doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe what it is is when you bought it, actually, there was a male and female planted in the same pot. I think that's exactly what it was, and they're, they're doing real good. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Now let's go from Florissant to Springfield, Illinois, and see what's going on with Larry. Larry, how are you? Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Mike, I've never uh, wintered over knockout roses in pots. I'm going to try it. I have a few questions. Okay. Size of pot. The size of pots you'd recommend, okay. and uh, how do you handle basically cutting them down in the winter? Basically, what I do, I grew mine in I have four that grew in pots. I grew, I got them last year at Stark Brothers Nursery, and I grew them all last year, and I moved them into my garage for the wintertime. I cut them back. You know, when I moved them in, I cut them down to about six inches. What I did, though, is I put a, like a, I don't know exactly, like a plastic shelf you know, but not, I didn't set it up on the shelf, plastic shelf without the legs. And so I just raised it up off the garage floor a couple, like a, about an inch and a half. And I just set them all on that. And then because I have windows in my garage, I kind of put things in front of them so the sun wouldn't hit, you know, hit the roses during the wintertime. And pretty yeah. much that's all I did. Yeah, now, what I did all, Mike, how about the size of the pot? Uh, my pots are probably 18 inches. But I will say one thing I did do in the wintertime. Occasionally, I would go out and water them about once every month or so. Yeah, well, I've wintered over about 18 varieties of hostas. Right. So I, I'm used to doing it, so I figured it'd be about the same. But how much sun do you, do, does your uh, knockouts get where you have them outside? Uh, basically, I have them both sitting. You know, I have four. Two are sitting. They're facing the west, but they're, you know, so they don't get... Uh, Neither of them get sun the entire morning time, and they okay, get sun in the afternoon time, but they're probably getting about six hours of sun this time of year. Okay, so you say about 15 inches for the pots wide. How about deep? Uh, same, you know, same depth. 
15 is okay. a minimum. Mine are a little bit you know bigger than that, but they're I mean they're pretty heavy. Let's put it that way. And I use potting mix and I fertilize them right. with rose food. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to try it. Great. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Yeah, good luck with that. And I didn't know, you know, because I'd never grown roses and stored them in the wintertime. I usually just kind of, uh, I left the pots out with the roses. And sometimes that wasn't so good if we had a severe winter. But moving them into the garage, that really worked quite well. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got a few minutes, about 10 minutes or so. And uh, if you have any questions, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. One thing, spring flowering shrubs, you better get those things pruned. And it's anything that you want to prune, it's getting a little bit late anyway, especially for evergreens, because you're cutting the, the stuff you're cutting off has already gotten a little bit acclimated to the intense, intensity of the sun. And even though the leaves are that if you prune, that are now exposed at one time or fully exposed, they've been shaded a little bit, you know, for the last month or so. So just watch out about sunburning. But spring flowering shrubs, definitely get those things cut off. As I said in the first hour, if the daffodil foliage, crocus foliage, tulip foliage, or any of those kind of spring flowering bulbs, if that foliage is about half brown, then you can go ahead and cut it off. But right now, the Asiatic lilies, there are several different types, are spectacular. This year was weather-wise, this winter was perfect for them. I've got three different varieties that uh, actually I got them from Brightside St. Louis. Um, I mean, wow, the the deep color of them, and they're not budded yet, but they're getting close to starting to bud. So that's something that you should consider for your landscape. Martha lives in Florissant. Martha, how are you? I'm fine, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, A neighbor of mine has a croton plant that she's had for 10 years. Right. And she has two stalks in the planter. Her question for uh, for you is, should she go ahead and replant it into a bigger planter, or can she split the stalks? If they're separate stalks, they're probably separate plants. Now, understand, if she's had this for a long time, the root systems of these two separate plants that were put in the pot to make a bigger impact when it was originally you know, set out to be sold uh, could be interwoven together, and pulling them apart could cause you know, some damage to both of them. This is one of my favorite plants. This is one that this year I chose to have the major number of plants on my front walkway near my front door as I did, you know, I'm doing the Croton. So I like them because they're kind of like Jackson Pollock, the artist, his artwork, splashes of color all over the leaves. You don't really grow them. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, you don't grow them for the flowering at all, but the leaves are just absolutely, you know, striking. So I don't know what size pot it's in, but I think if it looks healthy and everything else, then I would say just leave it alone. Okay, just go ahead and put in a bigger planter. She doesn't, she doesn't even need to do that. Unless she's getting a lot of roots, if she has drainage holes, which I know she has to because they don't like a lot of water, if the roots are coming out of the bottom drainage holes, she can either put it in a pot that's one inch bigger than the one that's, that it's in, or she can just kind of pull it, gently pull it out of the pot and just do a little bit of root pruning and put it back in the same size pot. Or Very the good. exact okay. same pot. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go from Florissant to West County and see what's going on with Dave. Dave, how are you? 
Hello, Dave. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you say Dave. I apologize. That's hey, Mike, okay. Thanks for sharing your thanks for sharing your expertise and knowledge. Um, hey, I have a neighbor who's cutting back a climbing hydrangea. I don't know if that's the right time, but I'd really like to take a couple of those clippings and get them started. Is it is it one? Is it the right time? And then two, the method of that is it something like just putting water to get the root? Do I need to use a rooting hormone? Um, you know, and then what type of soil do I want? Something like a potting soil or vermiculite or uh, what's the best way to uh, ensure its success? Basically, I would get potting mix for starting plants. That'll say it right on the bag at you know, your favorite garden center. I, some people end up calling and saying, oh, I've always rooted them in water. I don't like to root things in water like that because then once you get it, you know, you're just not going to get the right kind of root you know, combination to me. But so I would get rooting hormone. What you want to do is take the cuttings. You want them about a foot long. You only want about, let's say, four or five leaves on that foot-long cutting. Make the cut at about a 45-degree angle, and then let that tip of that cut heal a little bit so it's just not sticky. Then dip it into the rooting hormone. Well, then dip it, or, you know, you can let do it when it's sticky if you want to. I don't like to do that, but some people will say they like it that way. Just dip it in the rooting hormone, and then about an inch or two inches of the stem, you know, put down into this potting mix for starting plants. Is now, right, is now the right time of the year to do this? It's not the ideal time, but you should be fine. Just so you, you know, and where you're going to place this pot that's, you know, that you're going to be growing them in, Make sure it's not in direct sun because, uh, I mean, the climbing hydrangea, is, it's great, it's wonderful, but it doesn't like hot, intense sun, and especially when it's a cutting. Right, right. All right. And then when you water that, Mike, I always worry that I'm watering or uh, that the rooting hormone will wash off. No. Is there any trick there? No, it won't? No, it really shouldn't. You know, so it should, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. So. Basically, you're, I mean, you're going to have more rooting hormone there because when you stick it in, you're going to, I mean, you're going to go and you, you could even shake off a little bit. It's just going to trigger some, you know, some growth along that. But watering is not going to knock it off, no, or wash it off. Does the rooting hormone go bad? Because I do have some, but it's been a few years since I've used it. If it, you know, it should be fine. It's a powder. So, I, you know, I can't see that it would be bad, but uh, that's not to say it wouldn't be, but I would not suspect that it should be. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Appreciate your advice. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, the climbing hydrangea, I mean, it does climb. I mean, it's a real unique kind of vine. When I worked at the Botanical Garden, there was an area of part of the English Woodland Garden I took care of, and it was growing on the side of one of the buildings. It was, like, striking. You couldn't really see the flowers all that much, but the fruits are small and dark, and they're in clusters. And then when I lived in Lafayette Square, the house I lived in also had it on the side of the house. Anne lives in Ladue. Anne, how are you today? Fine, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Last week we had our roof cleaned off and our gutters cleaned. Everything was perfect. I've noticed over the last few days fresh limbs. We have huge oak trees in our front yard. They're over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. Noticing uh, little branches, fresh branches, all over the roof and the lawn. And I'm thinking those squirrels are back. Usually they do this in the fall. Right. But it seems like they're awful, awfully feisty this year. Is there anything I can do about these crazy squirrels? No, it is squirrels. And especially, and I've talked about it actually last hour, if the cut, you know, on the twig that's laying on the ground is like at a 45-degree angle, it definitely is squirrels that are doing this. And they're just doing it, you know, to chew. They're doing it to make nests. They're, you know, and the young ones are just coming out of the nest. So they're practicing all this stuff themselves. 
But uh, there's really not uh, large trees. There's not too much you can do. Okay, we'll just have to live with it. Yeah, and keep no. cleaning the roof <laughs> <laughs> and the ground. Oh gosh! Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks so much. Sure. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Yes, you too. And Margo in St. Louis, you're going to be our last call. Hi, Margo. Okay, um, Mike. Thank you very much for your program. Uh, my problem is I, my backyard is full sun all day. Is there any kind of a plant that I can put out there, like in a small pot, that will survive? You are you. What kind of plants are you talking about? A house well, plant? Uh, uh, just some kind of a small plant. Uh, I don't know that I, I would put in a small pot because I, I, I hang them on my fence. Is what I do. Okay. Well, there's all kinds of different types of succulents and cactus that you could hang that you really wouldn't even have to do any watering. Oh. There are even varieties. You know, I don't know what how small this pot is that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, there's varieties of you know petunias you could put in there if you want to have something with more color. There's certainly varieties of house plants or tropicals that you could put in there. You could put in a small ornamental grass in a pot like that. So, I mean, the variety of different things is, I mean, petunias. Petunias will survive. In yeah, get time. the petunia variety that doesn't cascade, that stays in a lump. But yeah, oh, okay. a petunia or something. You're, if the pot is really small, you're going to have to go out there and maybe water it every day during the heat of the mm-hmm. summertime. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. Okay. Then, well, that, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. And then also anything you put out there because you're going to leave the drainage holes. It's going to leach all the nutrients out, so you're going to have to fertilize on a regular basis too. So anyway, wow. Yeah. This spring has just been spectacular. There's no getting around it. As we're kind of transitioning halfway through springtime, uh, we're saying goodbye to all the azaleas and things like that. The dogwoods are, you know, sort of in the rearview mirror. But uh, just make sure that you keep your plants watered. We had all that rain. You go, why do they need water? It just takes a few days for that water to percolate down through the soil, and then consequently your soil could be dry. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.